So this is Tom Castle, and uh, this is Sullivan Stories. And the guest this week is Mara Hackett. Hi, Mara. Hello. Hi. Where are you right now? I'm in Jersey City. Okay. And what are you up to in Jersey City? Uh, I am a nonprofit director at a social justice organization in New York City. And I also work as a relief captain on a few different tall ships and this summer uh, driving a uh, fast shuttle boat in New York Harbor. Oh, wow. That's got to be a bunch of traffic. <laughs> it's a whole lot of traffic. <laughs> like the most intense video game you've ever seen. Oh, man. Yeah. The only time I was on the Hudson was further up north on the Clearwater. Uh, what tall ships are you involved in? Uh, right now, um, I just helped do a transit on the Sloop Providence. Um, and then this summer, I'm heading down to uh, Schooner, Virginia a couple times uh, during the with a couple races and just go sailing oh that sounds great is that, um when's the schooner race it is early october this year i want to say it's around the 5th of october oh really mm -hmm. Ooh, maybe i can finally make it that would be awesome <laughs> <Get> a, <laughs> a little bit this year yeah so tell me um how and when you started getting into tall ships oh um i started in 2004 as a trainee aboard Picton Castle and then um, went back as a trainee and then went out to Grace Harbor and then you know once I graduated from college just kept kept going and uh, worked on tall ships on the east coast and west coast. I uh, used to run away from winter and escape to California uh, in the winters and then um, yeah I got on Dennis Sullivan the first time in 2000 nine uh as a second mate and then i went back in 2010 as a second mate and then became the chief mate and then lots of visits um in subsequent summers oh okay what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now hmm. <laughs> um probably that it's just a constant learning journey and just to keep asking questions and really to find a mentor also um, to kind of help guide you through things. Who were the mentors that really got you along? Um, got a few, but one of them is um, Tiff um, yep. from Sullivan. Um, she taught me how to drive, how to be a mate, um, and just kind of was a constant, you know, guide and resource um, while I was coming up. That's great. And when you were on Picton, was that on one of the round the world voyages or? No, I was in the shorter voyages in the North Atlantic. And then so like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and Maine, and then in the Great Lakes for the 2006 um, festival circuit. So what made you like wake up one day and say, I want to get on a square rigger going around the Atlantic? Uh, I wanted something cool to do when I was in college and the archaeological digs that I kept proposing to the study abroad office kept getting rejected. And so I was following Picton's world voyage and I logged in one night to read their latest blog entry and they had, you know, announcing shorter summer voyages. So I didn't need study abroad permission or credits or any worry about uh, college credit transfers. So that's what got me into it. So you were following the ship online before you actually got involved? Yep. Wow, that is really interesting. I love that. Um, what were some of the resources that helped you like when you started out? We've had other people talk about 
you know, I saw this movie and it made me, you know, want to go sailing or I read this book or I heard this interview or what were the any resources that really kind of nabbed you? Um, I mean, it, it's it's kind of cheesy, but I remember watching the was it the Spencer Tracy version of Captain's Courageous? Mm, um, yeah. I remember that. Um, lots of lots of books. You know, I was always reading about some type of travel, and I remember being on vacation with my mom. I think I was in early high school, and we went out just on a day sail on a catamaran. I was like, I want to do this. I want to figure out how to do this, but I didn't put it together until much later. It's like, oh, I actually am doing this kind of now. I love that. That's it. What, what kind of catamaran? Uh, I don't even remember. It was just like one of these three hour, you know, sales that you go on. Um, but it was just kind of just, I remember looking around being like, this is the coolest job ever. I want to do this. I know the feeling. I definitely <laughs> know the feeling. Um, the question I've been asking everybody too is um, everybody talks about the learning curve and, and whatnot, but what do you think was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Ooh. Good question. I think one of the things that I struggled with was trying to relate. It, it's always a little bit tough when you've got volunteers who have been volunteering at a place longer than you've been alive um, and trying to figure out how to translate the knowledge and skills that you have, but also, you know, respect and revere, you know, what they're bringing to the table. And there's, you know, that that kind of curve that you have where you just get all cavalier and I know everything and, you know, kind of getting put in my place a couple of times and, you know, learning from that of how, how to, you know, communicate what needs to be done, but also still respecting, you know, every, you know, aspect that you're working with while still getting the job done. Yeah. There've been some volunteers on the, on Dennis Sullivan that have been there for years and years and years. And, uh, and I know, you know, my my sweetheart, Mariah, really kind of grew up on the Alyssa. And some of those volunteers have been on board 20, 30 years. But um, what tall ship myth would you like to debunk? Hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be just one. I think there's a couple. One is, and I get this from not so much within tall ships, but it's always from visitors or, you know, deck tour folks, where they somehow think that if you work on a boat, that somehow you're not educated in any way or not knowledgeable. Um, and, you know, I've sailed with a, a huge variety of folks, you know, from self-taught to, you know, PhDs. And, it, you know, there's a variety of different reasons that people get drawn into this. And I think there's that preconception that, oh, because you're not sitting on a desk in a cubicle or wearing a suit and tie every day, that somehow this isn't professional or a real job. Um, and so I think definitely, you know, smashing that myth because it's definitely a real job. Sometimes I wish I could take the people who are in my office and put them on a boat so that they can learn some of the skills that we have. Um, what advice do you have for people who are interested in sailing, both from a, wanting to be a professional or just wanting to dip their toe in as a volunteer? Um, I think a couple things. One is sometimes it's a little bit hard to kind of stick with it, um, especially when there aren't necessarily folks who look like you. Um, and so that's been a little bit of a challenge, you know, for me when, you know, already the perception of just sailing in general is that it's, you know, a rich person sport or it's, you know, all white. And I think trying to fight against that um, and just 
trying to persevere while you know facing some of those obstacles um but really if you're interested in it you will find people who you know are like-minded and you know will keep encouraging you to keep going um and i think what's inspiring is then seeing either the next generation of you know interns and trainees and volunteers who then have somebody to look up to or you know, I remember driving um, AJ Mirwalds and there was a little girl who came up to me and she's like, you're the captain? And just like watching that, you know, awe. So I think that's what a lot of times drives me um, to keep going. But it's it's really just that, you know, if you want to do it, just figuring out that goal and just pushing towards it no matter what. Yeah, totally. Uh, what What does the word shipmate mean to you? Um... I think it's, you know, it's kind of multifaceted. It's camaraderie, it's friendship, but it's also dependability and trust. And, you know, it's it's a version of just a cohort of folks that you know you can lean on. You, you experience the same things, you go through the same trials and tribulations, whether it's a storm or an insane festival circuit season. Um, but you have that shared collective memory that you can kind of, you know, always harken back to. Yeah, I like that. I want to go going back to um, ethnicity and gender and and whatnot. Do you find that in that's in certain kinds of ships or or certain places, or is it sort of universal that surprise that oh my god, there's a woman who's a captain? I think it's pretty much universal at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been all over. Um, and the various, you know, vessels and ports that I've worked in, um, it, it keeps, it's kind of ubiquitous. You think of, you know, the grizzled old man with like the, the captain's hat or the Southwester and, you know, that's what people have etched in their minds of who should be the captain. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I've, I've gotten on boats as a guest and people just walk up to me because of the, the mm-hmm. gray, because of the gray beard, basically. It's, which is like, no, no, please don't do that. It's, it's, <laughs> She's the captain, or he's the captain, or, you know, I'm just a guest. What do you think is your favorite Sullivan story? Whether you, whether you were in it or not, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I was tangentially part of it. Um, so I came back for my second season um, in 2010, and I was there from, you know, winter cover being on where we were by the energy all the way till downrig. So I was there for the whole slog. Um, and I remember talking to Tiff about coming back and, you know, saying that my one stipulation was there's one weekend that I have to go and I have to go graduate from grad school. So I will be here the entire time, but I just need this weekend off to go fly to Boston to go walk, you know, and get my diploma. And so it just so happened that that week, that weekend was, um, when Sullivan was going to transit from Milwaukee to Erie. And so... Mm. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out. No, not a problem. So cast off lines, you know, headed to the airport. I was hanging out in Boston with my mom. We were actually at the Peabody Essex Museum checking out the ship models. Mm. And I got a phone call saying, um, you're going to need to change your plane ticket. I was like, oh, what, what happened? They're like, well, it's a long story, but you, we're not going to Erie. We're in Alpena. Huh. Okay. So I figured out how to fly back and hung out um, in the crew lounge slash, you know, tornado bunker for a few days, just like waiting around, uh, waiting for a new uh, prop and uh, shaft to be machined. 
so that we could load it up in, in the van and drive it from Milwaukee all the way up and over and down over to Alpena. So it turns out that while I was off, um, Sullivan came around and was off of Alpena, Michigan, and the prop and chef fell off or backed out and landed in the National Marine Sanctuary. Um, and we could see it, we just couldn't get it because we couldn't retrieve it from the Marine Sanctuary because now it was, you know, apparently the claimed property of Noah or whoever. So uh, I, got to, I got to see more of Northern Michigan and, um, you know, Northern Wisconsin than I ever thought. Um, got to pass through, you know, fun, exciting towns like Escanaba. And um, yeah, so that was the one time I left and had that fun thing happen. Oh, man. Yeah, I've definitely sailed in and out of Escanaba many times. Um, what's your degree in? Um, it is in environmental public health and toxicology. Ah, excellent. And there's so many people, obviously, that have been going through the Clearwater Inland Seas, Dennis Sullivan sort of programs that end up being scientists. And um, so being on a tall ship like that, does that also kind of scratch the scientist itch as well as a sailor? It does, actually. Um, I was pre-med and undergrad. And when I graduated, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I took a few years off to go sailing. And as I was doing that, I was on Spirit of South Carolina, and we were doing education programs that there was some history, but a lot of it was coastal ecology and water quality. And all of a sudden I was like, I know this. I remember this from undergrad and chemistry. And so I got really into the fact that you could teach things um, like chemistry to kids while, you know, sailing through the harbor. Because um, I think, you know, if I had experiential, you know, math and science in that way, I mean, I always liked it, but that just would have taken it over the top. And so um, when I graduated from grad school, I decided to kind of stay within that environmental focus of education because it really takes some of these abstract concepts and just puts them into just a completely different um, way of thinking and makes it, you know, tactile and really fun. Oh, yeah, I can still, <laughs> it's been a long time, but I can still tell a, a rotifer from a galenoid <laughs> copepod for sure. And um, just because I happen to be the person who is like, you know, we're missing a plankton person today. Go learn, go learn the station. <laughs> You have an hour. And um, that's the other part I love about that is having the, you know, that sort of emergency uh, learning at the same time, too. Mm -hmm. where, where oh, yeah, I learned all about barrier islands in South Carolina that I never <laughs> thought I would know. And, you know, I can still be the point person for navigation. And just even that happened actually when I was on Spirit in New Zealand. They're like, okay, you're going to teach navigation today. I was like, I'm going to do what now? Um, I was like, okay, so we have longitude and latitude. You know, we have north and west. And I was like, okay, so we have south and east and how to like flip what side of the planet I was on and try to explain that. So, yep. Oh, where were you in New Zealand? Uh, I talked my way onto the Spirit of New Zealand. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I've done a couple folk tours down there and um, just some harbor sailing on the Ted Ashby mm -hmm. out of Auckland. And um, I, I just love New Zealand. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I finished grad school, graduated, backpacked through New Zealand for a while, talked my way out to Spirit of New Zealand, and then went from there directly to Dennis Sullivan, which is interesting seeing the difference of Kiwi teenagers versus, you know, some teens from Chicago. But, you know, it's good. Cool. 
Ooh, do tell. Um, it's not very exciting. <laughs> um, like the kids were just super chill, super well behaved, especially for 40, 14 to 17 year olds. Um, one of the biggest scandals of the voyage was that one of the kids wouldn't take tea with the rest of the kids. I was like, really? This is all we got? That's it? <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> that was amazing that that's one of the stories um i was on lake taupo mm-hmm. going on to uh just for fun as a tourist um as uh a tourist on board a boat called i think it was barbary it was a, a 40-foot catch that errol flynn used to own oh. and there was an aussie captain uh with dreads and uh high top bright yellow converse shoes and uh, he ran the whole boat himself and as i was getting on i had a fleece vest on mm-hmm. and um, had inland seas on it and he said oh where's that boat and i said well it's in america on the great lakes oh you know a boat called the manitou <laughs> yeah he said do you know a girl named stacy on the manitou i'm like like two three years ago yeah she was on this boat and i think she was on spirit in new zealand after that oh very cool it it's the smallest world mm-hmm. ever it's yep. i mean literally on the other side of the planet mm-hmm. and you have somebody that you know some mate yeah. you know yep yeah and one of the one of the mates from the voyage actually called me up while she was backpack she was working at a camp in maine and she came down to new york and so we went sailing on pioneer when i was working on there and it was just you know it was the the coolest thing to you know show her new york harbor um after we had been sailing in you know the um Haraki gulf whoa yep. yeah yeah it's it's such a small world so anything else you, you want to say um you know, looking forward, um, you know, your time on Dennis Sullivan, obviously leading to other things and other things that led you to Dennis Sullivan. And what are you looking at, you know, for the future, the near future, the post COVID, hopefully future? Um, What are you looking at, you know, on the horizon? Hopefully more sailing. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, I always really enjoyed with Dennis Sullivan was that um, once I worked there, you know, it was always just like an easy place to go back to. Um, I would pop in, you know, and just, you know, let Tiff know and be like, hey, can I show up for like a week? And so just like pop on. So I would just pop in from random places. And, you know, I did a road trip up to Quebec um, a couple of years ago when they were there. And it always just felt like home. And, you know, right now it doesn't feel like I kind of have that kind of like, the homing instincts boat kind of have that a little bit with Virginia. Um, but it's, that's, that's one thing that, you know, like Sullivan just had that one little niche in my heart. Um, but really I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to keep sailing, um, and do it in a way that is both, you know, fun, but then also builds my skills and if possible, you know, um, gives me the opportunity to share what I know and what I've learned from others. Yeah. I think that that whole feeling of being home is something mm-hmm. I always get because yeah. <laughs> and when you're going through, um, you know, like you're going through the hold and it's like, Oh, that was my bunk in 2004. And that oh. was my bunk in 2016. And that was, it's um, I think the five man is the only place I haven't slept yet, but I have to. Oh, uh, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah. It's, um... <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it rained on me through the light fixture in one place. <laughs> um, I think I slept in almost every bunk in the five man because I couldn't figure out which bunk I hated the least. But one of them was great because it was like the perfect like push up, you know, work on your upper body to like pole vault yourself into um, into bed. So it was you know little core workout you know every day it was great yeah <laughs> um wasn't i i ended up what was it it was 2009 there were three of us um living in there and it was some close quarters what was the other story uh so it was the 2010 race from duluth to whitefish bay um and we were we were sailing across making insanely good time i think i saw 11 knots at one point that sullivan was making um and then a squall came up and we were trying desperately to you know strike everything um because the wind direction was like pointing us towards a rock face and you know europa was behind us and i remember tiff calling europa being like hey you know the weather systems around here are a little bit insane you might want to like take in some of your sail they just looked around they're like yeah i think we're gonna set our stuncils um and so <laughs> it's like do you and so we doused everything did this mad dash insane jibe um and then we reset everything i remember there was so much adrenaline running around with all of us i was on the mizzen peak by myself and got it up and then after you know we're coiling down everything storm passes you know the the stars and the moon are out and all of a sudden i see something in the sky i was like what is that saw northern lights for the first time ever um streaking through and so it was just like this insane whirlwind of all the emotions all at once and then capped off by you know these streaks of blue and green in um the lake superior sky oh magic we crossed the finish line and then for some reason i'm not sure why <laughs> nobody wanted to go get the the award so like i ran up and i had the uh i had the plaque was like we won we won and i was at the bar later and the captain of europa was like ah you're on sullivan was like yep he's like i don't understand your schooner does not sail like schooner you sail like square rigger like yeah she's an interesting rig she she's got her own personality when it comes to sailing I had the opposite um, experience going from Duluth. Um, what was that? Like one or two tall ship festivals later. And we were racing so fast that Tiffany actually called a swim call during the race. And I forget what watch I was on, but I remember Europa was off our port bow and we were both kind of close hauled and I was just losing it. I, I couldn't figure out, I thought I had a stroke or something because I couldn't catch up to Europa like at all. <laughs> and and I, finally, I just, you know, Tiff came on deck and I just said, oh, okay, I'm just embarrassed. I said, I can't, I don't understand it. She's sailing away from us. And she just said, that's because Europa is the, is a square rigger that sails like a schooner and we're the schooner that sails like a square rigger. That's how we point, but I'm glad you got yeah, I'm glad you got to jump up and grab the prize. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so much for doing this today. I, I really enjoyed this. And, uh, and thanks for being part of Sullivan Stories. And if you're a past or current professional crew member and would like to be on the podcast or just have a story you'd like to share, please write to me at tom at tomcastle.com. Thank you so much, Mara. This was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, thank you.
Thank you.